Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, my name is Bex and welcome to Getting Emotional. Every week I'll be discovering a brand new emotion. Or rather, I'll tell you about an emotion you may well have felt, but had no idea there was a name for. This week, it's a bit different. Now, I've not been doing this podcast for very long, but already I am loving discovering new words and the emotions they elicit or describe. And of course, I rather hope you're enjoying it as well. But obviously, I am not the first person ever to discover words. Bit of an understatement there. I've been trying my best to dig out a bunch of obscure emotions. In fact, in case you're wondering, I have a little Excel spreadsheet packed to the brim with new words, where they're from, and little facts about them. But I do know there will be words I haven't come across yet. Words that have not made it onto my hallowed Excel spreadsheet. So I decided to call in the big guns. A word expert. A wexpert? No, that's not a thing. Well, anyway, this is why he earns the big bucks, and I definitely do not. Today's guest is helping me do something a little bit different, because for one show only, I'm not just giving you one new word and emotion, I'm giving you loads. You see, if you scour the internet, there are hundreds, or thousands, or millions, I don't know, I haven't done the maths, of sites dedicated to languages from all over the world. But one of the best places to go for all things word-related is the phenomenal Twitter account Haggard Hawks, run by Paul Anthony Jones. If you're on Twitter, there is a very good chance you actually follow him already, and if you're not on Twitter, well, maybe Paul can explain a bit more. My name's Paul Anthony Jones. I'm a writer and an author based up in Newcastle, and I run the Haggard Hawks Twitter account. All right, so for people who don't know Haggard Hawks, uh, and if they're on Twitter, they probably do, uh, can you explain it a little bit to us? Uh, yeah, I set it up in, um, God, it was in 2013, so it's quite old now. I'm quite old now. <laughs> um, and, yeah, true. And um, I just share words that I find interesting and etymologies that I find interesting from all the dictionaries that, that I've got here at home and tweet about them on uh, Twitter, and then I write blogs about ones that I find particularly interesting on haggardhawks.com, and somehow this has ended up being my job. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did it all start? Because how did you decide this will be a fun and interesting thing to do, and, and other people will, will be interested as well? Or did you just do it for yourself? It was, um, I wrote a book called Haggard Hawks probably about 10, nearly 10 years ago now, and um I just sort of, in a way of wanting to publicise the book, I started tweeting bits and bobs from it. And um, it ended up kind of being more successful than the book. <laughs> not, many, not many people bought the book, but lots of people followed the Twitter account. So um, I, I kind of just started to build on it from there. I, I just, um, it, it, yeah, it, by the end of the first week, it had like 100 followers. And then by the end of the month, it had 500. And then it had 1,000. And then it got picked up by... Huffington Post and it was in Mental Floss and it just kind of grew randomly. I, I think at the time there was no one kind of doing anything like that on Twitter so it just found a little niche for itself um, and yeah once I kind of ran out of facts from my own book I thought well I better keep this going <laughs> <laughs> and started tweeting other words that I'd that I'd kind of found in other things because I've, I've collected dictionaries for years. I'm a right language nerd um, so yeah I, I just started tweeting those and it's gone from kind of one extreme to the other over the last few years it's now kind of fairly successful randomly 
So as you can tell, Paul is a busy guy and Haggard Hawks has quite a lot on. But on to the good stuff, the words, and you are in for a treat here. Paul very kindly dug up some emotions I'd never heard of before. Yeah, they're not even on my hallowed Excel spreadsheet. These are words I would never have been able to find out about had he not directed me to them, so I am very grateful indeed, and I reckon we should just dive straight in. I started off by asking him what his favourite word was. I get asked what my favourite word is quite often. And I think I give a different answer every <laughs> single time. One word that I do keep coming back to, though, it's probably because I'm based up here in Newcastle, is transpontine, which I absolutely love. Um, it's an adjective. It's, what's, it's sometimes called a prepositional adjective. So it works as an adjective, but it gives you information that a preposition usually does. And it describes anything that's located on the other side of a bridge. Oh, wow. um, and I love that word. I absolutely love it. I love how it sounds. I love the fact that... It's such a niche meaning, but someone still felt that they needed to create this word. And it's kind of part of a clutch of really interesting words like transnivian, which is on the other side of a snow-capped mountain, and cisalpine, which is on this side of the Alps as opposed to the southern side of the Alps. I just like, I love all these kinds of words. But what makes transpontine so, so interesting is in the 1900s, kind of when writers were a lot more classically quote-unquote classically informed <laughs> than they are now um, a word that came from like latin and greek roots like this one would have been much more kind of immediately understood so it started to get used in theater reviews in london and the transpontine theaters were the ones on the south bank of the thames so because the ones in the west end were showing like shakespeare and greek tragedy and really kind of hard-hitting stuff the ones on the south bank of the thames that had kind of murder mysteries and penny dreadful stories and freak shows and things. Transpontine kind of came to be used to mean like exaggerated or like play into the gallery, that kind of thing. So you've got this example of a word that means something really specific, which is already great, but then got applied in a completely different way. Um, so it, 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 that's completely unrelated from its etymology, completely separate from what, from what it actually means. And I just, I love that story. It just shows how things can change over time. That is such an amazing leap from one thing to the other. And it still makes sense in both contexts. Yeah. And it shows that, you know, people get really hung up on, oh, that isn't what that word means. Well, this is like, this is a little microcosm of how people get hold of a word and apply it to something completely different. And, and it comes out the other end, completely changed from what kind of how it went in almost. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a perfect kind of little example of what happens with etymology. Now, uh, speaking of words, of course, this is a, an emotion-based podcast. I have to ask, do you have any good emotion-based words for me as well? One of my favourites is, um, there's a great word, channel fever, which is, uh, I found it, I've got an old dictionary of um, Victorian naval slang. Sure, <laughs> it's, like really? it's like, yeah, like sailor's words, <laughs> which is pretty colourful most of the time. But channel fever is... Um, it's the kind of restless sort of energy that you've got when you know that a journey is coming to an end. So a ship that had been all around the world, as soon as it gets back into the English Channel, the sailors are like this close to getting home. They had that kind of restless kind of homesickness that suddenly kind of bursts as soon as you know that you're, you're near home, which I really, really like. But in this dictionary, it's talked about the other way as well. So um, sailors or a slight new recruits mm -hmm. who'd recently joined the crew would then suddenly kind of realise, oh, well, actually, you know, I'm not that keen to be on <laughs> to be on board a ship for the next two years. Uh, so they'd kind of feign illness to get out of doing duties. And so that's what Channel Fever also kind of ended up being used of, is sort of this odd kind of 
hypochondria. <laughs> it's weird wow. kind of thinking that you're ill just to kind of get out of just to get out of work. So it's on the one side, it's like this really intense homesickness when you know that you're almost at the end of something or you're almost at the end of a journey. And it's also a word for this kind of, actually, you know, I think I feel ill when in fact you don't feel ill <laughs> at all and you just want to get out of work. I definitely, uh, I really recognise that feeling from all of my days at school and many <laughs> at university. <laughs> yeah, very true. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So I guess that word, is it still used today or is it kind of specific to that time? Yeah, it's it's kind of, I think it's one of these words that if people knew about it, they would still use it, yeah. um, which is kind of why I kind of like to promote it on Hagen Hawks <laughs> as and when I can. Um, but yeah, it's kind of nestled in the doldrums, certainly. It's in the sort of dustier corner of the dictionary, which is which is where I tend to find all of this stuff. There's another great word in that book, which is uh, imp of the perverse. It's a kind of odd phrase, uh, which it comes from an Edgar Allan Poe story, actually. He wrote a story called Imp of the Perverse. Um, and in the story, it's about a guy who, uh, I mean, it is an Edgar Allan Poe story, so it's a guy who's murdered somebody sure. um, and got away with it. And he's walking through the streets, kind of running over the fact that he's got away with this murder through his head. And this intrusive thought comes into his head that says, tell someone, blurt it out while you're in this crowd that you've killed someone. And as soon as that thought turns up, he it starts to drive him mad. And so the impetus of perverse is the feeling that you have to do something on a, a completely inadvisable. Oh. It's this kind of intrusive thought that there's a great French phrase, which is l'appel de vie. I was just going to say, the, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the call of the void. And it's sort of the English equivalent of that when you're sort of standing on the top of a mountain and the voice comes at your head going, jump off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Um, yeah, and I quite like that. I, th I think that's a great little phrase as well, Imp of the Perverse. Um, I know you also told me um, before we uh, started recording about a word called sphexishness. Is that how I've pronounced it properly? Is that... Yeah, sphexishness. It's a great word. It's a, bit, a complete mouthful, but it's a brilliant word. Sphex is, um, is the Greek word for a wasp. And it derives from that, but but sexiousness itself is um, kind of mindless robotic behavior. That feeling that you get when you get up at the same time and you go to the same place every single day at the same time and go the same routes and you meet the same people and you come home at the same time. That is is sexiousness. It's a kind of mindless routine, which I, I really like that. Again, I feel like quite worryingly like I can sympathize with that feeling. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, true. The, re the reason it comes from wasps, I should say, is um, there's a, a specific family of wasps, sphex wasps, um, and there's a French naturalist called Fabre who'd, who'd been watching one of these wasps in his garden, and he noticed that uh, the wasp would sting something like a little caterpillar, and then it would take it over to its burrow where its egg was laid, and it would put the caterpillar on the ground, then go inside the burrow and check everything was okay, and then it would come back out and get the caterpillar. And he realized that it did this every single time. It did this little pre preliminary check every single time. So while the wasp was underground, he moved the caterpillar away. And the wasp came back out, relocated the caterpillar, brought it back over to the hole. And even though just a matter of seconds had passed, it would still go back in and perform the same check before it came back out again. And he did this dozens and dozens of times. So this, <laughs> this one poor wasp, um, moving the, the caterpillar further away every single time. And it would always, always, always perform this same check. So it's obviously a very kind of innate kind of thing for it to do, mm. to make sure everything's okay before it seals the, the chamber up and lays its egg or whatever. Um, and so this is where this word comes from. About a century later, uh, it started to be used in, psych in psychological papers to describe this kind of behavior, things that you do 
when you're not even thinking about doing them, you know, kind of putting your keys in your pocket when you walk out of the house, that kind of thing. The things that you do without consciously thinking that you've done them, that is vexishness. And then through there, obviously, it kind of developed into being used to this kind of robotic, routine-based kind of mindless behavior that everybody kind of goes through who's who's stuck in a mindless job or whatever it might be. Um, so it's a lovely story behind an absolute mouthful of a word. You see, I told you he was good, didn't I? Now, I also did mention to Paul that I reckoned he would be amazing on a pub quiz team. He assured me he wasn't. He said the knowledge is pretty specific to words only, but I feel like he'd be a pretty safe bet as a teammate. Anyway, I know Paul has a lot of new projects in the works, so if you happen to see a Haggard Hawks book on the bookshelf in your local shop or library, definitely check it out because they are so amazing and just packed the rafters with facts and, more likely, new words that you have never heard before. In fact, one of my favourites he tweeted recently was the word glacitate, which means to honk like a goose. And don't worry, I'm not going to do a goose impression right now. I'll let the sound effects do it for me. So before we say goodbye, I asked him if certain words resonate more than others do with his audience, and he gave me a couple of extra words. If you fancy yourself as a uh, wexpert as well, you might quite enjoy this. There's two types. There is um, words for things that you didn't know had a name. That's always mm-hmm. that's always a big thing. So like the first cut that you make with a saw is called a kerf. You know, there is just a really obscure word, like the handle of a spade is called a culp. Things like that, that you just didn't think that they needed, they needed to be a word for. Yeah. There is a word for it. The top stone at, on the lintel of a house is called the crow stone. I don't know why. It wow. <laughs> just is. So that's always really popular. If you can kind of fill in a, a gap that, that you kind of never knew existed, people can kind of always like that. And then the other thing is just words for the human condition. Any, anything mm. that people can apply to themselves or to, the, to their lives or things that everybody experiences i remember the very first word that i ever posted on twitter that really kind of went berserk like that was um unirophrenia which is um it's the kind of pleasant contented feeling that you get when you wake up from a a good dream oh right that's uh, that's unirophrenia and everyone went oh wow okay i know what that <laughs> i know what that's like i didn't know there was a word for this but i know exactly how that feels and again, it's a it's a psychiatric term. The opposite is malnirophrenia. So if you have a if you have a nightmare and you wake up feeling terrible, <laughs> there's a word for that as well. I was going to say I knew that one, but I didn't think I, maybe I had this one written down, but I didn't know how to pronounce it. So I'm very glad you've done me that. Favor. <laughs> yeah, you see, yeah, there's always an opposite. But actually, that's another thing. People like the opposites of words that they didn't know that there was a word for. Like the opposite of a euphemism is a dysphemism. So when you intentionally oh, wow. pick something that's that's rude rather than not, uh, not, not like pick something rude rather than neutral. That's a dysphemism. You stress is the opposite of, of, of horrible stress. You stress is sort of beneficial stress. So there's, um, yeah, the, uh, people like the opposites of things that they didn't know existed as well. And uh, before I let you go, tell me, what do you have lined up next? What projects are you working on at the moment? Something I've wanted to do for ages and ages is to pull together a book of um, answers to questions about language that you kind of never knew to ask. Like, why does Q always have a U after it? And why is there a dot on the letter I? So um, I've been working on that. I, I, I think that will probably be the next thing. But um, whether I get the time to finish it off, I don't know. I'll probably find some new idea. I'm very butterfly-minded with stuff like this. I jump from one project to the next. So hopefully, 
hopefully the plan is this year to get that finished up. So next time you want to impress your friends, check out Haggard Hawks. It's full of hidden gems and wordy wonders, and it's also much more exciting than my Excel spreadsheet. This was Getting Emotional, and that was a word special. Big thank you to Paul Anthony Jones, aka Haggard Hawks, for helping me out. If you want to check him out online, go find him on Twitter at Haggard Hawks. If you've enjoyed the show, first of all, thank you so much for listening. And um, please do give it uh, preferably a good review online, wherever it is you get your podcast from. It does make a world of difference. And you can find me on Twitter at Get Emotional Pod. I'll see you soon. Bye. <laughs>